This podcast is a presentation of Indianola First Assembly of God Church. For more information, please visit us online at indianolafirst.com. Last week, Pastor Jared and Pastor Bryce kicked off a new series that we're calling Kingdom Builders. It's a, and it was great to watch them on live stream and do an awesome job. How many of you appreciate the live stream that we have going on? Yeah, amen. It takes a lot of work, and it's, it's got a lot of people involved to make that happen every single week. And we're so appreciative of all those people and the team that, that Pastor Jared and, and Joe Bedwell have put together to make that happen. And um, I tell you what, if you're watching on live stream, I, I know you're glad that it's, it's a, something that's available to you. Uh, but let's just, let us just, just listen to the uh, cheer when I say this. There's nothing like being here. Yeah. I mean, it's great for when you're on vacation. It's great for when you're out and about and have to work or something like that, and they allow you to watch something like that on, while you're working. But I'm telling you, you don't experience the fullness of what God's doing in this place until you're in these doors. And it's just awesome. So thank you for watching on live stream today. We're glad you're with us. And thank you all for being here. And, uh, man, there's nothing like worshiping with God's people. Um, it's not only, in thinking of uh, Kingdom Builders, it's not only our responsibility to join God in building his kingdom here on earth. It's our privilege, folks. It is our privilege. What a privilege that we have to come alongside Jesus Christ be filled with this Holy Spirit and join in building his kingdom here on the earth. We get to do that. That's our privilege. That's our joy. That's a wonderful thing. And I want you to get a hold of that because it makes life a lot more happy and a lot more worth living, really. It has meaning. It has purpose. And it's our privilege. It's our pleasure. And understand, whenever you lead someone to Christ, whenever you pray individually or corporately, whenever signs and wonders follow you, whenever you give financially to the Lord's work, all those things, you're building the kingdom. You're building his kingdom when you do those things. Whenever you do something even as little as giving a cup of cold water in his name, you're building his kingdom. And by definition, then you become a kingdom builder. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad that you are a kingdom builder. Okay, turn around and do it to the next guy, because i got to get a drink of water here. <laughs> Hallelujah. I am so glad that we have the opportunity to be kingdom builders. And we need to, we need to understand that Jesus is the master carpenter. And he's the master builder. We are his workmanship. But Jesus is constantly molding us and making us and conforming us into his image in order that we can build effectively alongside him. That's the purpose. He's rubbing those rough spots off. How many got some rough spots? How many have had some rough spots roughed off in the last few years? How many need to raise two hands? Okay. Yes. But he does that for a purpose. He wants us to come alongside him and build effectively with him. And that is amazing. It's an amazing privilege, church. The kingdom of God has been being built since Jesus left this earth and sent his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. His kingdom is here and it is yet coming. 
It is not fully here as of now, but it is continually being built and will be yet and, and it will be yet coming until the day when Jesus returns in all of his glory and he establishes his kingdom in its fullness here on the earth. That is going to be an awesome and wonderful day. So we get to be a part of building it now with him, alongside of him, with the help of the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? How do we become active partners in kingdom building? And I love what Pastor Jared and what Pastor Bryce did last week. They brought out the fact that it starts by building it in yourself. That's where it all begins. Availing yourself to prayer, reading the word, entering into a worship wholeheartedly, and even going on a missions trip, which is what Pastor Bryce shared about last week. Reading, uh, uh, going on a missions trip, and, and yes, as you go and minister, understand this. When you go and minister to those, uh, on, like on a missions trip that you're going to go minister to, you are the one who gets ministered to the most. I can speak that uh, wholeheartedly, and my Botswana buddies, where are my Botswana buddies who went on the missions trip with me? Is that not true? We, go, we went to minister to little kids, but we were the ones who were built up. That's how it works. They brought that out last week. It's so important that we build ourselves up. We build the kingdom of God within us first. That's where it starts. Letting the kingdom of God be built in you is absolutely the first step. If you posture yourself to receive, God will build his kingdom in the inside of you, and he'll build it in you to the extent that you let him build it in you. And I, I, I got to be honest with you this morning. I know there's people in churches all across this country. There's people, uh, regretfully I say this, there's people even in this church who have been sitting in the pews for years and years, and it's like they plateaued spiritually and they never grew past a certain point. They, they felt like, well, I'm good enough. I don't need to take any more steps. Can I just push you, kick you, press you, admonish you, pressure you? I don't know how you want to say it. But to make, make the next step, to take the next step, to let the kingdom of God be built in you even a little bit more than you have, would that be okay if you let God do that in you? We all need that. And guess what, church? Not one of us has arrived. Okay, so six of you believe that. The rest of you must have arrived, huh? <laughs> we haven't arrived. We're not done. We haven't done everything we can do yet, have we? God hasn't brought his kingdom uh, and built his kingdom within us as much as he wants to. That hasn't happened yet. So we shouldn't plateau. We should press in. We should fight for it and allow God to do great things in and through us. This morning, I want to continue this series by giving you a verse that encompasses this whole kingdom builders mentality. And I hope that you will adopt this men mentality as your very own. Waking up in the morning expectant of how God will use you to build his kingdom that day. Seeking out every divine appointment. Being Jesus to everyone you meet. Bringing the kingdom of God wherever you go. That's the great adventure of this life, church. To be a kingdom builder. But this verse encompasses that mentality. And it's found in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It's a verse you know well. And it says, but you will receive power. That is dunamis power. Powerful power. 
dynamite power, if you will, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming upon us, Pentecostals? To be witnesses. It's not to glory with other Christians, just glory in the presence and, and, and be touched by his Holy Spirit, even though that's great and it's wonderful and we can do that. And I'm not against that. But that wasn't the original purpose. The purpose was to be witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. You sound a little white doing that, but that's all right. I love knowing that as Christians, we have received power that God has made available, Holy Spirit power that we can be endued with, baptized in, and empowered with. And that power is for the purpose of being witnesses, which is another way of saying being kingdom builders. Kingdom builders or witnesses in our Jerusalem. What's our Jerusalem? Our hometown. Can I hear it for Indianola? That's our hometown. Can I hear it for Truro? A little bit of New Virginia. Some Carlisle? Yeah. Some Des Moines? Some Knoxville? Oh, they're all over there. There was a time when we would have said Knoxville and a lot of people would have shouted, that's why you started another church, boy. Right? That's awesome. There's other towns around too I haven't even mentioned. But that's your hometown. That's your Jerusalem. In our Judea, it's our part of the nation, the Midwest. It's Iowa. It's the Midwest. How many know the Midwest people are the best people in the world? They are. They work hard. They love one another. Yeah, we're a little stubborn. We're a little stoic, but we're some of the best people in the world. That's your people. That's your people, the Midwest. And then in our Samaria, what's our Samaria? That's this nation and even neighboring nations. And to the ends of the earth, what's that? That's the whole world, folks. That's the whole world. Building his kingdom, truly becoming kingdom builders is a process. It starts with us as individuals, letting God build it in us, building his kingdom in us. And then it moves out from there. We build his kingdom in our homes and then we, we uh, build it in our circles of influence and then we build it beyond our borders. And personally, I believe that, that they are progressive and dependent on one another. If you don't bother building his kingdom within your own heart, don't expect that you can build it effectively in your home. If you're not building the kingdom within your home, how can you build it outside your home, within your circle of influence? It'd be really tough. You should be a hypocrite if you tried to do it. And if you're not effective in building it in your circles, your efforts in building it beyond our, your borders or our borders will be bleak at best. It's just not going to work well. It starts with the individual heart. It moves from there into our homes. It moves from our homes to our circles of influence. It moves from our circles of influence to our world beyond our borders. We're called to be kingdom builders, folks. Kingdom builders.
And we've been given power to be effective builders of the kingdom, witnesses in our individual hearts, our homes, our circles, and beyond our borders. But foundationally, again, you can't build on sand. Walls don't go up until you have footings to place them on. And you can't build a roof without walls to support the rafters on which the roof sits. So today, I want to challenge you to become kingdom builders. Last week was within yourself, that you would build yourself. Let God build the kingdom within you as an individual. This week, I want to challenge you with this, to become a kingdom builder within your own home. Within your own home. And church, I'm going to make this the simplest, easiest message you ever heard. Nobody said amen. (laughs) I want you to get one nugget today. I mean, it would be nice for all of us here to have been raised in wonderful Christian homes. Some of us were. But wonderful Christian homes where there was no fighting and is no fight. There are no fights. No turmoil. In homes where there's no sickness, no death, no struggles, no bad influences, no sharp words, no neglect or abuse, no tough circumstances or situations, no lack of anything and no hardship whatsoever. Wouldn't that be nice? But folks, that home doesn't exist in the real world. Remember, his kingdom is being built, but it is yet coming. If it was fully here, we could have homes like that. And we can strive for that, and we can draw close to that. But until his kingdom is fully here, we're not going to have that. But we build until it fully is here. We won't experience perfection until... He is ruling and reigning on this earth, but we should tirelessly build it until then. And when I think of building the kingdom of God in our homes, I want to clarify what I believe that means. I, I I, I think of the young people who find Christ but are raised by parents who have never given their hearts to the Lord. I think of those Christian parents who are raising good kids who unfortunately begin to make bad decisions, even to the point where they could be considered prodigal children. I think of adults whose parents haven't found the Lord. I think of husbands who know the Lord, but their wife doesn't. And I think of wives who have committed to Christ, but their husbands have refused to submit to him. I think of grandparents who are raising grandchildren who have slipped into rebellion and all the aunts and uncles and cousins and extended family that we all have who aren't yet given, who haven't yet given their lives to Christ. And I thought about all these different scenarios and relationships and how in the world can we build the kingdom in our homes and within our family relationships? How can we do it? Because that's difficult. It seems hard. It seems impossible sometimes. And I mean, I'd I'd love to give you this morning three easy steps to building the kingdom in your home effectively. But the Lord kept bringing me back to one word. It's a word that is the absolute most important thing in building and bringing the kingdom of God into your homes and into the lives of your family. Without this word bringing true church, there will be no kingdom building within your home. Trust me. But if this word can truly describe you and the kingdom of God that is coming forth from you, then you will not be able to keep the kingdom of God being built in your home and in your family. It will just happen. You want to know what that word is? It's an easy word to say. 
And it's an easy word to believe that you are already living out. But if we are honest, it actually proves very difficult. It's the word authenticity. Authenticity. There isn't a word that is more important to building the kingdom within your home than that. And I want you to know that I realize my family is not perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. My wife isn't perfect. And my girls aren't perfect. My son-in-laws aren't perfect. And my grandchildren aren't. Well, maybe my grandchildren are. (laughs) I think about that one. Grandchildren aren't even perfect. But I will say this. Everyone in my family has a relationship with Christ. No one has arrived, but they all love the Lord. I don't say that braggadociously this morning, but it's just a fact. It's just a fact. And I'm so thankful for this. Partly because of the avalanche of people who told me early on when I was just starting out in ministry that my kids were going to suffer because of it. That pastor's kids usually end up rebelling rebelling and, and turning away from the church. And statistically, they probably were right in, in, in what they were saying, but I wasn't going to let my family become another statistic. I wanted my family to experience an authentic faith in Jesus, to see firsthand in me what a real relationship with Christ looked like. And I was going to show them real, authentic faith. And I set out just to do that. And I failed miserably. I lost my temper from time to time, more often than I'd like to admit. I said things I shouldn't have said. I was moody on a regular basis. I gossiped when I should have kept my mouth shut. I compromised in my faith more than once. And I did these things all in front of my onlooking family. So then guilt would set in and it would drive me to set that Christianity bar higher yet. And yeah, I fell and I failed and all that stuff. And then I picked myself up and I'm, like, I'm going to do it this time. How many, how many have ever know what I'm talking about? I'm going to show my family how to be a Christian. I'm going to walk the walk and talk the talk. But the problem was I kept failing. Over and over, I failed. But then one day I had one of those aha moments. Aha. I realized that authenticity wasn't about perfection. It was about realness. It was about honesty. It wasn't about living without mistakes. It was about owning up to my mistakes and even using them as teaching moments. And as many people that told me how rebellious my kids would be and how pastor's kids don't make it statistically, I have just as many people ask me now, if not more, how did you raise three girls that love the Lord so much? How did you do it in this day and time with all the junk going on in this world? And again, I I want you to know, I don't believe my kids are perfect. They're not. They would tell you that. But they do love Jesus. And I'm telling you, church, it's because of authenticity. Not perfection displayed, but realness exhibited. That's the one thing that Alyssa and I did right in the midst of our thousands of parental mistakes. And we made as many mistakes as anybody in this room. 
But the one thing we did right was we were authentic and we owned those mistakes and we let our kids see those mistakes. We owned up to them, to our kids, even apologizing to our kids. I didn't make excuses for the shortcomings and I didn't let my kids make excuses either. We did life together. We still do life together. The ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and they saw it all. But being real, being truly authentic through those years, that was the key. And it's not because I was so smart. It's because God gave me an aha moment. I'm humbled by that because I didn't even deserve the aha moment. How many know in your aha moment, you didn't deserve that either, but he did it anyway, didn't he? Your actions will always speak louder and teach more than your words. Case in point, if you don't want your kids to lie, then you better not teach them to lie. And if you don't want your parents to think your faith is just a juvenile phase you're going through, then you must be willing to live out those scriptural characteristics that the Word of God teaches us. And when you fail miserably, you better be humble enough to apologize for your mistakes. If you want your spouse to come to Christ, then you must be authentic and always apologize for your moments of hypocrisy. Because there's not anybody in here who's arrived. There's not anybody in here who's perfect. And oftentimes, when we try to build the kingdom of God within our homes, especially to the ones that don't know the Lord, it comes right back on us, right? I don't want to do that because all you Christians are hypocrites. You say one thing, you do another. You act a certain way at church, and you act differently when you're home. You know, it's really interesting because I was thinking about this this morning and I was like, you know, am, am, I, am I speaking the right thing, Lord? Am I, am I giving them enough of, a, of an answer to how to build the kingdom in their homes? And, and this, is, this is how I was led. I mean, to, to talk about authenticity. And then Alyssa said, you got to see this. She didn't even know I was kind of battling that in my mind. She goes, there's something I want to show you or I, wanna, I want to uh, read to you or send you. And so we have a pastor friend from South Dakota, and he's a great guy, and he's, he doesn't have any idea what I'm preaching on today. But this was his Facebook message this morning. And I thought, you want God to tell you something? Pastor Barry's telling you it, but this pastor you don't even know is telling, telling it. This guy's name is Tim Troxell. He's a wonderful man of God. But he said this, if we lose a generation of young people within the church, it will not be because we didn't entertain them. It will be because we didn't dare them to do something meaningful with the gospel in their world. Maybe this isn't just church. Maybe it starts in our homes with a disconnect between what we do on the weekends and how we live out our lives in the weekdays. We project a set of beliefs and passions, but never connect the heart. And I thought, are you preaching the same message that I'm preaching, Pastor Tim? I just think that's interesting because that's how God confirms things in my heart. Authenticity. That authentic faith, it's the key in every family relationship you can think of. Oh, that was me. A child that is on fire for God in an authentic way can win over their parents. That child can build the kingdom of God in their home. 
If you're a young person here today and your parents don't know the Lord and you got drug here on a, on a bus on Wednesday nights and then now you're here on Sunday morning, we, uh, we say you're awesome for one. We think you're amazing. You're our hero because that's a hard thing to do as a kid. And if your parents don't know Jesus, they can know Jesus. You can build the kingdom of God within your home. Spouses can win their spouses to the Lord. Parents, you can build the kingdom of God in that prodigal kid. And I love life groups. and They're going to be kicking off uh, in October. And life groups are powerful because it's families ministering to families within one another's homes. You know what I like about that? You really know somebody when you go into their home, don't you? What's good about life groups is you can't, do the, you can't do the thing where you just come to church and you look really good for an hour and a half, and then as soon as you get out the door, you know, you're slapping each other and yelling at each other and cussing at the traffic and doing all the things that sometimes we do. You have to be real. The other thing that's cool is if you have kids and they're in your home or you have, if you're married and they're in your home, and they should be if you're married, um, right? It's like when the people come from the church, come over for life group, do you just, let's put on our church masks? Are you the same person there that you were before they came? Are you the same person in church on Sundays and Wednesdays as you are out in the community and in your home? It's authentic. It's authenticity. And that will speak to your families, those loved ones within your home more than anything else. And I don't think it's right to become super Christians the moment that uh, others come over. And uh, that's one thing I've asked my girls. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? There's plenty we did wrong. Don't don't, don't, Don't get me wrong here. But they said, you know, you were always the same people in church as you were on Sunday mornings or at home. The people you were on Sunday mornings were the same person you were when you were at home. When people came over, you were the same. And we strive for that. We had to work towards that. Authenticity or being authentic in our faith isn't about being perfect. It's about being real. Real. And I'm not patting myself or a list on the back this morning. I hope you don't feel that way. Again, we did much more wrong in parenting than we did right. But that one thing, that willingness to be authentic and real, acknowledging our weaknesses as well as displaying our strengths, it created an atmosphere that cultivated authenticity in them. You cannot lead where you won't go, church. Did you hear me? You cannot lead where you won't go. Show me a Christian that tries to dictate their faith to their children or their parents or any other family member for that matter, and I will show you a Christian that is marginally effective at best in building the kingdom within their home. It just comes across as legalistic religion instead of life-giving relationship. You have to show them the relationship that you have with Jesus. Authentic relationship. You can't spoon feed faith. And maybe a great way to define authenticity is to say it's being transparent. No hidden agendas. No covering up sins to look good on the outside. No justifying why you can be involved with sinful things and sinful behaviors when the Bible teaches us to steer clear. 
No whitewashing or making excuses for your shortcomings. Just being transparently authentic with those around you. And if you can achieve this within your home and your families, then maybe that authenticity would start showing up in church. Churches across America. Wouldn't that be something? Can you imagine a church whose attenders refuse to put on airs? A church that is full of people who aren't more concerned with looking good than they are with being real? I mean, why do you think 80% of the people in Warren County are not attending church this morning? It's 80%. Why do you think that is? It's because most churches have been so busy covering up who they really are and displayed uh, hypocrisy so often that they've lost their credibility with the people around them. Authenticity will build the kingdom within your home. And what happens in our individual homes will eventually begin to happen within our church. Did you hear me? It starts in your home, in your own heart first, then your home and your family, and then in your church. That's just the way it works. Jesus said in teaching us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 10, he said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom Here's the kingdom builders part of this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was praying for God's rule and order to be obeyed here on earth as it is in heaven. We need to be a part of bringing his kingdom and building his kingdom right now. It should be the thing that is foremost on our minds. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I believe that this is what the church needs to do today. We need to be baptized in repentance. Because we have been so complacent about being a part of building his kingdom, especially within our homes. Some of us, <coughs> some American Christians, and even some of us here this morning are more concerned about what people think of them at church than they are about being authentic in their own home. You know, you cannot protect your families from the world enough to make them Christians. You can't isolate your kids enough. You can't protect your family from the world enough to make them Christians. You can't make enough rules. You can't discipline enough or discipline perfectly. You can't force your loved ones into any kind of relationship with Christ, but you can be authentic. You can be real. You're going to be imperfect, but you can be authentic. Nothing will build the kingdom of God in your home, in your families, more than authenticity. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying this morning. And it doesn't matter what relationship you apply this to, a child, a parent, a spouse, and a grandchild, a grandparent, uncle, aunt, or cousin. Your authenticity will begin to wear down the walls that they have built up against Jesus, against the church, against faith. And they won't be able to argue against authenticity. They just can't do it. They can argue against legalism. They can argue against religiosity. But they cannot argue against authentic, real, honest faith. Can't be done. There's just no denying it. 
It's real. And I think it's important to ask God to give us daily strategies in winning our households. It's an obvious, or it is obvious throughout the New Testament that each individual must accept Christ. It's always a personal decision. You can't be saved for your kids, for your parents, for your aunts and uncles, as good a people as they might be. Your salvation doesn't make them saved. In Acts 16, 31, 32, there's a verse that many people have stood on, and I'm going to read it. They, they replied, let me, let me give you a little background to the verse. This is Paul and Silas. They've been thrown in prison because they were doing God's work. They were building this kingdom. Huh, it's interesting. When you build God's kingdom, sometimes you end up in jail. How many would uh, resist building God's kingdom so you wouldn't be thrown in jail? It's a good question to ask, maybe. But these guys were out building the kingdom. Paul and Silas, they were thrown in jail. They're in there, and they start praising God. They start worshiping, you know? I think they were singing, when death was arrested. <laughs> and there was a violent earthquake, and it shook all the, the jail, and the doors started opening up, and all the prisoners could have left, but they didn't. And the jailer came in. And said, and they said, don't worry, we're all here. Don't worry. And he said, what must I do to be saved, is what the jailer said. And Paul and Silas replied, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they, shall, and they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. And it's pretty apparent that his whole household was saved. Not because the jailer got saved and then everybody automatically, proxy, you know, was saved. But because they all heard the word of God and they all accepted it. But who led the way? Probably dad. Humbled himself. Wanted to know, how can I be saved? Church, his entire family was saved. And I know there's those of you in here this morning that would love for your family to be saved, for your prodigal children to come back home, for mom and dad to finally give in and give their hearts to Jesus before it's too late, for that special aunt and uncle or cousin or whoever it might be in your family that doesn't know the Lord. I know there's those of you that have cried tears over their spiritual condition. And not that you're standing in judgment over them. The word of God judges. We don't have to judge. The fact of the matter is, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no heaven for you. That is the criteria, plain and simple. There is no other way. We just went over that in the last series, right? There's no other way. And I know some of you carry that burden of wanting your loved ones, your family, those within your home to come to Jesus. But let me remind you the one word, authenticity. You being real, not perfect, because good luck with that one. But honest and real. 
That is the key. That is the key. For some of you, that's going to require a phone call sometime this afternoon. And you're going to have to say, son, daughter, mom, I'm sorry for shoving religion down your throat. Because I never meant to show you religion. I was just so excited about my relationship with Jesus and I wanted everybody that I love to have him too. I'm sorry that I went about it the wrong way. I'm sorry, kids, for being so legalistic and being so hard on you that I didn't give you a chance to accept Jesus on your own, in your own way. I tried to force it on you. I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, that I talked to you in a way that made, you, made me look smart and you look stupid. How many know kids can do that sometimes? Try to make your moms and dads look dumb. Maybe it's going to take a phone call for you to get authentic and say, I was wrong. And the very faith that I possess, the very relationship that I have with Jesus dictates to me that I shouldn't have acted that way, so I apologize. Do you know how many times I had to apologize to my kids, church, so that I could maintain an authenticity? I knew if I acted like a weasel, and we all act like weasels sometimes, right? If I lost my temper, if I blew up, if I let a word out that shouldn't have come out, oh, pastor, you do that? Yeah, sometimes. I knew that when I stood up here and preached and they sat in the pew, they would be thinking in their head, hey, he talks a good talk, but these people don't know what he's really like at home. Trying to be perfect in that, I couldn't do it. But going to them and saying, I blew it, I'm sorry. And I need you to forgive me. I'm going to ask God to forgive me, but I need you to forgive me. That is so important, church. You understand what I'm saying? You want your family saved? I'm, I'm just going to say this because I believe it's the Holy Spirit speaking right now. Sorry, I'm wrestling with the Holy Spirit in my mind right now. Okay, I'll say it. Some of your family members aren't saved, and you're the biggest reason. You haven't been authentic. I want to be a kingdom builder until he comes again. I want to build the kingdom in me, yes. Let him build it in me and through me and allow him, posture myself to, to build the kingdom within me. But I want to build it in my home. I don't want to leave this earth even, and I know it's, it's still my family's decision, but I want to have done everything that I can possibly do to build it within my home. Are you with me in that? Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First Assembly of God podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest message.